on the Crimson Tide Sports Network from Learfield IMG College. This is the Roll Tidecast, the official podcast of Alabama athletics. Here's Roger Hoover. Hello again, everybody. I'm Roger Hoover, and welcome to this edition of the Roll Tidecast. On this episode, we take a walk down memory lane with Crimson Tide men's golf coach Jay Sewell and two-time All-American Trey Mullinax. We also discuss the course that rowers Carly McCoyne and McKenna Clark each charted to reach Alabama and learn all about life on the river. First up, Jay Sewell talks with PGA pro Trey Mullinax in a wide-ranging conversation that covers the well-timed phone call that led Mullinax to the Crimson Tide, also playing on Alabama's 2013 National Championship squad and the story of the winning hole and an iconic moment from Alabama's 2014 National Championship run. It is my pleasure to um, on roll t- uh, test today to have one of my good friends, former players, and someone very special to me um, join us today, Trey Mullinax. Trey, how you doing today? Hey, Coach. How y'all doing? I'm uh, I'm doing great. Just uh, enjoying being at the house and hanging out with the fam. Yeah, that was what I was going to start off with. You know, it's kind of a crazy time. Uh, tell me, how's everything going with y'all in this, you know, stay safe, stay home? What's, what, what's new with you on that? And uh, any ideas of you know, when you feel like you may even get back to playing some golf, uh, you know, down the road or not. Just give us an idea of what's been going on with you uh, during this coronavirus time. Yeah, it's been kind of weird. To be honest with you, it's been a, a, a big blessing because uh, me and Abby are expecting our second child. Uh, we got a baby boy coming any day now. Uh, mm-hmm. So uh, having this time uh, off has actually been a blessing to me because I've been able to spend time with my daughter and help Abby out uh, with the pregnancy. And so we're due any day now, but uh, it's been weird not playing golf because after my injury, I was really excited about coming back and playing. And uh, and then we get hit with the coronavirus as well. So I've been mm-hmm. home for a while. I'm sure Abby's ready to kick me out uh, of the house. <laughs> as soon as this baby's born, she's going to be like, when's the first tournament you can play? <laughs> That's awesome. Um, and like if Abby wants to go into labor while we're having a conversation, I'm that's okay for you to hang up. That, that, that's one of the few. That, that's going to give you one of the few reasons to be able to get off this this conversation. That is a high so, possibility. So if I, I don't if, want if her to have, have, I don't want her to have this baby on your couch if you don't mind. So, well, I don't either because then I got to buy another couch. <laughs> I hear you, buddy. Well, it is so cool to hear. You know, there's so many stories during this time of you know what are the blessings, and you know we do get some good times with our families. Um, it does give us a, a great time to reflect, and I know Sawyer's what one and a half. She's one and a half. Is that yep. how old she is? Yep. She's, yep. she's 19 and, months. Yeah. And, and so I know, you know, in, in the PGA Tour, you, you travel all the time. And, and so you miss a lot of things. So I know it's probably been really cool for you to stay home and, and be dad um, in times where you may not have been. So it's been, to be honest with you, it's been awesome. Uh, the the bond that me and Sawyer have, have, you know, our relationship has grown so much through this time. And uh, it's been a blessing to me just to be able to be home and hang out with her. That's awesome. Well, um, I just thought we'd have a conversation. I like kind of chronological order. Um, I, I, okay. I really, um, you know, I, I remember the time. I can remember everything about you in your in your journey to in junior golf to maybe getting all the way to Alabama from you know from signing up to camp and us getting a call like you don't know who this guy is, but y'all might want to watch him at camp to my. To my dad um, being your counselor, but uh, tell us a little bit about yep. your journey, you know, in junior golf and, you know, kind of, yeah, if you don't mind, because uh, I know it's one of my favorite stories um, in, in my coaching career. Yeah. So I kind of, I was 
what you would probably call a late bloomer to the game. I played all all sports growing up, football, baseball, basketball. And, and uh, kind of when I turned, you know, eighth grade was when my dad kind of looked at me and was like, hey, you know, which one do you think you want to do? And I broke my leg playing football in seventh grade. And uh, for me, I was in a cast and I wasn't able to do much. And so my dad would take me to the golf course. And, and so during that time, I got to spend a lot of time with my dad and just the the bond that grew there and our relationship grew so much that I was like, man, I just want to hang out with my dad. So this is the sport that gets me to do that. And that's what I want to do. And so uh, I just started playing golf with him and uh, me and him would play every weekend and he would take me to the golf course every day after work and we would practice chipping and putting. And I wasn't, you know, he was teaching me the basics. I wasn't great, you know, but I could hit it pretty good and I could try to figure it out. And then, um, once uh, high school came, I was really the only guy that really played that much golf. Uh, and so, you know, I made it to state a few times, didn't, didn't do anything great. Uh, played a few, I think I played one AJGA event, Stillwood Country Club. I think I finished dead last. I, I think I did. I think I finished dead last. And I played, a, I played some SJGTs and was recruited by some colleges, UAB and Ole Miss uh, a little bit. And then uh, I really just, really, really, really wanted to go to Alabama. Uh, and so I went to Alabama golf camp. Uh, my dad got me in through, uh, Scott Limbaugh, who was our, who was the assistant at the time. One mm-hmm. of Scott's friends, which is one of my dad's friends, Russell Carter, new coach, got me in. And, uh, I drove the second green and Papa Jack, who is coach Sewell's <laughs> dad, called him and said, Hey, you need to come watch this guy. And, uh, yeah. and that's kind of how, that's kind of how the recruiting process started for me. And Coach Sewell uh, gave me a phone call asking me to, to come to Alabama, and there was not even a question in my mind. That's where I wanted to go. Mm. I was actually – it's a funny story. I was actually on the phone with the UAB coach about to commit there. Sorry, Mr. Kaufman. Uh, <laughs> and I got a phone call from Coach Sewell, and so I, I hung up the phone with uh, – I was on the phone with Mr. Kaufman, took Coach Sewell's call, committed, hung up with him, and decommitted to UAB. <laughs> Beautiful. I, was, I didn't know that part. Funny. That's pretty cool. I've always thought that, that's that's cool. I, you know, like I said, it was. I can still remember my dad, who to this day can't really use a cell phone. Um, you know, and he always worked camp, and he gets called and say, "Hey, Jay, I don't know what you're looking for, but if you like it long and straight, you better get your butt out here to number three. Because I guess you had just <laughs> driven the second hole. And I remember driving. You know, I was I a Gatorade boy at the time. I had a Gatorade back, and you know, and I think Jackson was I, in your I group too. My son, that Gatorade. <laughs> yeah, what? Uh, yeah, we put enough sugar. You know, I, you, know sugar. I, you know me. Yeah, we, we we don't put enough water in ours. That's for sure. But uh, it's Kool Aid for sure. But um, I remember Jackson was probably in your group too. And so I went out there to be dad a little bit, and I said, "Let me see what my dad's talking about." And I think, yeah, that kind of did start the recruiting process. So that was pretty cool. And and uh, I didn't know that about UAB. So that's I'm, I'm glad that oh, I yeah. didn't procrastinate. I'm glad my phone was dialing at least quick enough. So um, because <laughs> I, it, it, that was I was in I was on my I was in my car uh, with my sister on the way to Troy. That's what exactly where we were doing. Wow, pretty cool. well. Then it got you here, which was cool. But before we did, I still think one of the most famous rounds I ever watched you play is you know you played with Bobby Bobby Wyatt who played for us mm-hmm. in the. Uh, I guess it was the second round of the state junior when he shot 57. Yep. Do you even remember what you shot that day? I mean, seriously, do you no. remember? 
No, I don't even. I don't, I don't remember I at remember all. You we, got, uh, whatever it was, it was probably you got beat by at least fifteen shots. So that's all that matters. Oh, a hundred percent. Was that not one of the coolest days ever? You playing with him when he shot fifty-seven? Yeah, it was. It it was so like just surreal. Like I knew what he just shot, but it didn't look like like it just looked like normal. Like yeah. I, I mean, he always played well, but like it was it was to the point where we were just laughing. I remember us being on the course and like he would make a putt and we just start laughing and he'd be like, is this real? And I, I tell you, the, the, the most I remember about the round is when we got on 17, he started cramping. He had that yeah. just awful leg, leg cramp. And like he, I remember he birdied 17. He like his leg just went in like this huge knot in his calf on his swing. And I just remember he duck hooked it left off the tee on a par five yeah. and still made, still made birdie. And it was, it truly was, it was one of the craziest rounds. I was so thankful to be there with, you know, one of my mm -hmm. best friends and, and we had, we, we lived together for four years. And so it was, uh, mm -hmm. it was pretty cool. That's the first time I ever got interview calls about golf. Now, granted, it wasn't for me, but still I felt pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Give it, to, give it to Bobby to make 57 cool. If you know what I mean? The rest yeah. of us would have been freaking out and breathing heavy and you know and all other than the cramp he looked like it was just another casual 70 round golf so yeah seriously but I do I mean, remember if, you'd, that. if you'd have looked at him if you'd have looked at him you thought he shot 65 and he shot 57 it, it, it was, was it's unbelievable plus he missed that you know my favorite thing about this is what who bobby is you know he's still mad that he missed the putt on the last hole for 56 so <laughs> oh yeah it was probably the most makeable putt he had all day i know what i would have i, I would have just cozied it up because I'd have been so nervous. I'd think I would have five putted to shoot 60 or something, but that being said, that's, that's Bobby Wyatt for sure. But, but, um, you I know, think the, and it, I think the best shot he hit that day was the, the, the wood out of the bunker on like 13, the part yeah. five. It's still I the mean, best shot, shot I have ever amazing. seen in junior golf. He hit it in there yeah, at about 12 I mean, feet. Then that was, he didn't leave that eagle putt short, but that was funny. He left but, it uh, so short. He left it five that was the one short. time I could tell he was nervous because I think that would have got him to like 13 under for 13 holes. And so, it, you know, yes. bless his little heart. But, um, but that, so you, like you said, you and Bobby were here together with Corey Whitsitt, um, and y'all, you know, like I say, is, you know, arguably one of the great teams in the history of, of college golf, you know, not Alabama golf, but the history of golf. So tell us a little, tell me a little bit and chat. Tell me what you remember the most about college um, and college golf and, you know, a couple couple highlights, if you don't mind, because, heck, I already learned something. Now, remember, we are on Roll Tide Cast, so I, I need to know all the really good memories, if you don't mind. So there you go. Yes, sir. I think uh, <laughs> I think the, the most that I, I took away and the most that I remember is just how hard, how hard Corey and Bobby worked and Justin and bud and hunter and all the guys that came through there and how hard it made me want to work so like when i came to school i didn't really know how to practice i mean i was i was pretty good at hitting the ball you know i could keep it in front of me and hit every green and shoot 72 you know but i didn't know or i could shoot 75 hitting every green lord knows like a three foot uh and i i think when i came to school when I when I would see Corey and Bobby, the way they practiced and the way they handled themselves, like it was just so much different than what I was used to. And so like when I came to school, I just followed them around. I mean, literally, they probably got so tired of me. Just like I, I was like a dog, like and I had like a collar on like anywhere they went. I was just right there with them, you know, because I just wanted to I wanted to get better. And like the only way I could get better was to surround myself with people that were better than me. And. 
So when when Corey would go practice his short game, that's where I'd go. When Bobby went and practiced irons, that's where I would go. And so I would constantly put myself in competitions with them, even though I'd get whooped. You know, Bobby, we would play these iron games. He he would whoop me every time. But I know that if I beat him that one time, well, that means I can beat him. And, you know, Corey, he would beat me in chipping every time. But if I hit one closer than him, well, I, I got something in there. And so I would we would constantly work together, and they would always push me and challenge me. and even though they did beat me, they never discouraged me. They were always helping me and, and teaching me how to how to get better. And so I think that's how I got I got to where I am today. And obviously with Coach Sewell helping me with just learning how to play golf. I knew how to hit the ball and then having Coach Sewell there to teach me how to play golf and how to, you know, when I don't have my best stuff, shoot a seventy two or a sixty eight, you know, that that's where I kinda learned the most. But with with those guys, it was just them being just huge friends and loving me and supporting me and wanting me to get better, and that's how I got better. Yeah, I, I, it was really as a coach, it was really special to watch. Um, you know, I know Justin wasn't y'all's roommate, and that's Justin Thomas. Um, I didn't know I had I, you know who we'll make sure people know who Justin is. It's not Justin Smith or something like that, but um, <laughs> but it really was cool to see you guys how much you cared, you know, and I tell people all the time, you know, college, I mean, golf is such an individual sport, but what made y'all really special was the bond y'all had for each other, how you held each other accountable, you pushed each other, you made each other better. Um, and it was tremendous to see you grow. And I kind of remember in the 2013, Trey, I've all, I tell, you know, when I talk about, you know, people always ask questions about you and or growth of a player. And I can still remember the growth of you as a player to become who, you know, to me, I, if people ask, when did you know Trey was going to be good enough to play on the tour? You, like you said, you knew how to, to hit a golf ball, but there was something that happened in the Jason Hack match in the semifinals of 2013 um, Georgia Tech um, in the Atlanta. You know, there were a lot of people there. And to this day, that's still the largest gate or ticket in the NCAA. So there was a lot of people there. We had a lot of Bamas there. And, you know, Georgia Tech being in Atlanta, that helped them too. But on number six, you were two down. And the next thing I know is you went, I think it was five or six straight threes. I can't remember, and it doesn't really matter. All I remember is you came up to the par three, you know, and Jason is um, is of Chinese descent, I believe. So I think, you know, he's uh, he came, actually his father is from China. And his dad was yelling at him in Chinese on the on the thirteenth hole because you won five holes in a row, and that's not really the story. But you looked at me and like, why are they so mad? I'm going, don't worry about it. You just keep kicking his tail. But I just remember <laughs> that time. I don't know, but um, I just wanted to tell that story I, on I my made, end. To be honest with you, that's when I saw you yeah, grow I made, all the fruit of that. I, yeah, I made six threes in a row, and I remember. <laughs> I remember we got up on that par three on, I think it was 13 or 14. And uh, his dad is just wearing him out. And I said, it's all right, coach. He probably don't understand me and I don't understand him. It's fine. <laughs> he doesn't understand our English. That's for sure. Mine and your redneck. No. It was a funny no. moment. Um, but I do remember it was uh, it was the time that I really saw, because like you said, you were two down. And it was like, it was a, a moment where you could see you, the competitiveness and the golf and everything that you had just talked about with the other guys blend together. And, and I know we won the national championship that year, which was so um, exciting. But I want to, I kind of just want to hear your version of 17 at Prairie Dune from T-Box through 
what were you feeling like? Because I know what I was feeling like. Um, but tell me, tell me a little bit what you thought about it, 2014. You know, the winning hole, um, which is very iconic, um, probably the most iconic video for Alabama golf. But tell us a little bit about you and number 17 at Prairie Dunes, if you don't mind. I'd kind of like to know your version. Yeah, 100%. So I, uh, 17 at Prairie Dunes, I was playing with Ian Davis, playing against Oklahoma State, and I was playing so good all day. I think you, you walked with me every hole, and we were playing, uh, I was playing really, really well. I did you, did you walk with me every hole? Every, I think you every walked hole. with me most every, of the, of holes. the match yeah, play. You walked all every hole. And, uh, and so I was like, I was kind of, I was thinking I was, four up going into the back nine and Ian yeah. played extremely well the, on that back nine, the first three holes and I only had a one up lead going into 15. And so yeah, we, we tie 15 and we tie 16 and we go to 17. And I, to be honest with you, I felt, I felt really, I was nervous, but I was, I was very calm. Like, because mm-hmm. the experience from the year prior when we beat Illinois, you know, I was kind of in the same situation on 17 where I hit it in the bunker and I had to get it up and down greenside to not go one down going into 18. And, you know, I kind of just, I think the experience from last year helped me just to be kind of calm. And now don't get me wrong. I was, I was nervous, but I wasn't like shaking in my boots. I was kind of like, I was nervous, but I was amped up and I was ready to go. And so I remember on that tee shot, you told me, you said, Trey, I just want you to hit it as hard as you can. I don't want you to hit this easy. I want you to hit it as hard as you can. And I did. I knocked the fire out of this ball. And it goes goes all the way down there. And I just remember when I hit that fairway, and I knew Ian, because on that hole, if you really didn't hit the fairway, you couldn't really hold the green on the par five and I knew that I hit that ball really well and I was like man I'll probably have a seven iron or so into this green and I'll be able to hold this green well and I knew where that pin was and so we're walking down there and Ian Ian missed the fairway and so I kind of knew I had a decent opportunity out of the gate to kind of end this thing if I could hit a good shot and so we go to 17 and we kind of walk and where I'm thinking my ball is isn't quite where it is we have to keep walking and we keep walking (laughs) <laughs> and I guess my ball hit a sprinkler head or something, but it got way down there. And uh, Ian had to to lay it up uh, short. And so I think we had like 180. And I think I, I was like, Coach, you want me to just hit a, an eight iron, just kind of smooth? And he goes, nope, I want you to hit a nine iron as hard as you possibly can. And I was like, all right, that's what I'm going to do. And so I hit a nine iron as hard as I possibly could. And I remember I tugged it just a little bit. And it stayed up there, you know, just past pin high. And um, Ian had to lay up, and then he hit his shot to about 20 feet long of the pin. And I looked at, I mean, me and Coach, we knew Ian had to make a 20-footer down the hill slider. And so Coach literally looks at me, and he goes, hey, we're not trying – we're just going to we're just gonna lag this putt down there. We're just going to lag it down there and make him make it. And I said, Coach – and this is where I got nervous. I said, I can't really – feel my hands like I, i'm kind of like <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm i'm a, I'm a little nervous here like i was fine until i just i was fine until i had to putt and well let me interrupt because, you real quick hold on real quick because people don't realize you this putt was so hard you could put it off the green and don't think i didn't yes. have that visual while i'm beside you so you know this putt was not just a 25 footer off the fringe it literally was one if it had any speed you know, going two, two and a half feet, especially under the hole, it would have rolled 20 yards off the green. I mean, it was a yes. very 
hard. I mean, U.S. Open scary hard putt. So go ahead. That's yes. where I. That, yeah, so that's why I was saying let's slag this thing up. I don't want to put it off the green. But go ahead. Yeah, and so a hundred percent. And so that's like after it was all said and done, like I'm talking with Bobby and Corey and them, and they're like, "Dude, we thought you were going to put it off the green." <laughs> and because it was it was that fast, it was so downhill. The greens were burnt out. They were so fast. And if you hit it two or three feet past the hole, it was it was gone. Like you had you had yeah. a twenty yard chip shot coming back. And so coach was like, ah, you know, this is where Coach Sewell helped me out a lot because he's such a good green reader. I kind of read this putt and it was like, you know, a couple feet out. And he goes, let's play this about five feet out on the left. <laughs> and I was like, excuse me. He was like, yeah, we're gonna putt it over there. And I was like, coach. If I put it over there, ain't no way it's going to go in. He goes, just trust me. Just put it over there, and it, and let's just see what happens. And I was like, all right, because I haven't been reading them great anyway, and so I needed a little help on the greens. And and so that's all we thought about. The like, I, I didn't even think about making the putt. To be honest with you, I truly just was thinking, all right, just lag it down there with a foot. Just have good speed on it, lag it down there, and see what happens. And Lord and behold, it went in, and we went crazy. and. One of the coolest experiences ever because then the group behind me, the reason I felt pretty comfortable because the group behind me, a lot of people don't realize Corey Witsit was winning his match too. Right. And so I felt pretty comfortable that like if I birdied that hole, we were going to win. And so when that eagle went in, man, it just kind of sealed the deal. We all went crazy. And it was just one of the – Coach Sewell jumped into my arms. I mean, it was just <laughs> one of the coolest – and a lot of people don't realize – how special that moment was for me and coach because everything that led in to that moment was me and coach. We, we were, I mean, coach was like my, my dad away from my dad and what, what happened mm -hmm. like the, the growth that we had and like the relationship that we have from my freshman year to my senior year for me, not being able to break 85 at Karsten Creek to win in the national championship on 17 at Prairie Dunes. Like, it just kind of it, it solidified everything we worked for, and like that that mm. hug, that him jumping into my arms wasn't just because of pure excitement. It was because he loved me so mm. much, and I loved him so much, and we just kind of bear hugged it out. Well, it, you're that exactly so right. Cool. It was cool. It, I got chills when you telling the story. To be honest with you, it's really it's just you know it. I didn't mean to. I, I, after I jumped in your arms, I realized we need to shake you know Ian's hand. He just lost, and you want to be good sports, but. But you're right. I didn't jump in your arm just because we won that championship. There was a whole bunch to it. And so it is, you know, I have that picture on my wall um, of me jumping in your arms, which, you know, I forgive an old man going crazy, but uh, I was so proud of you. Um, you know, you win the national oh, championship, I mean, but it was in your I hands. I don't even think and I like got my said, ball out of the hole. <laughs> I don't even know where that ball is. I bet your dad has it, but I, that's fine. Yeah. 100%. Well, I know we could talk about this forever. And, man, I love chatting with you because it's so much fun. Um, Real quick, uh, tell us a little bit about what's going on with you now. Um, you know, I know since college you got, you know, went to the Corn Ferry one out there and you played on the, you know, you got your PGA Tour card. Tell us a little bit about what's happening with Trey Mullinax now post-Alabama. Yeah, so I, after I got done with Alabama, uh, I went through Q School, uh, one on the Corn Ferry, and then was able to um, be on tour the last three years. Uh, last year I got, uh, I got hit in the head in the Pro-Am and uh, – I got a concussion. And so I've been out on a medical for, uh, I was out for a medical for six months going through, uh, you know, rehab, vision therapy, all of this stuff, because I didn't really know 
after I got hit, I played a few weeks after not knowing how, how bad of a concussion I had. And so it took me a few tournaments to figure out that something was wrong. And so after I figured out something was wrong, it took me six months to get fully recovered where my eyesight was a hundred percent back, my depth perception. And so, uh, I, I took my medical, I played a few events, uh, this, uh, early this spring. And so now with the COVID-19 hitting, uh, off for a little bit more time. And so it's kind of been a transition year for me. I've always been busy. I've always had stuff to do. And so now the last year has been, it's been a lot different for me. Uh, you know, like I said before, I think it's been the, one of the biggest blessings God could ever give me because I've got to spend so much time with my family and I've had time to reflect and, and just appreciate, you know, everything that he's done for me. But also once you get something taken away from you that you love so much, like as much as I love golf, you kind of put it in a different perspective on how much you want to work to keep that. And so I think, you know, going through this time has made me want it more and made me want to get back to competing at a high level again more. And so uh, I really am looking forward to practicing hard and getting back out where I know that I want to be. And uh, I'll be playing this summer on and off on the Corn Ferry and the tour. So, you know, just trying to figure everything out. But uh, it's been a it's been a different year. It's been a great year, but. Uh, I'm excited to get back to competing at, at a high level. Yeah, uh, I, I can't wait to. You know, I know everybody listening will be too. You know, we're we're desperately all wanting to stay safe, but we're also wanting normal to come back. And I'm really excited that I think the PGA Tour is going to give us, a, you know, um, an opening for that. And so, can't wait for you to go. And I love your heart in this. Um, I love that you've, you know, how you've handled Corona, how you've you know, enjoyed being with your family um, in that. And I love that you still love the game and that that you realize you're good at it. And, you know, I've always told you, I think you're a top 30 in the world talent kind of guy. And I just look forward to watching. And I know our fans do. And everybody really does look forward to seeing what, you know, the future holds for you with, you know, moving forward in golf. I mean, just remind yourself, you're only, what, 27 years old, right? So you're just a young yes, kid. And so um, you left your imprint here at Alabama Golf. You left it with your teammates. You left it with me as a coach. And uh, that's just who you are. And uh, I think you've taken a few moments of your time. and. Uh, of your day in, in, in the chat and reminisce because I could, like I said, I could do this all day long and, and I look forward to, I know me and you get to see each <laughs> other a too. good bit. So I can't wait to see you soon. We're excited about your son being born and, you know, I am 53. And so 18 years from now, that's 71. But I still think I may, <laughs> I you know, if, <laughs> I, 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 if like you're it. there, he's going. <laughs> hey, you never, you hey. I'll make the offer right here before he's born. That way the NCAA has no rights on me on that. So that I kid, but uh, <laughs> man, Trey, thanks so much. We're thinking of you and Abby during this time. And um, we want to give you a big roll tide and you know, you're always welcome here. And like I said, I can't wait to see you soon. Thanks guys. I really appreciate it. And thank you coach and roll tide and uh, Alabama golf still runs in my blood. So I can't wait to come back down and see everybody. You get the feeling that if we had left the recorder going, these two would still be swapping great Alabama golf stories. Next up, Haley Peterson talks all things rowing with Crimson Tide veterans Carly McCoyne and McKenna Clark, including the fact that rowing is the rare sport that can be picked up in college and still results in a berth at the Olympics. Plus, we learn what it means to catch a crab when it comes to rowing. 
Hello, Crimson Tide fans. Welcome to another Roll Tide cast. I'm Haley Peterson, and I'm joined with Carly McCoyne. Hey, Haley. Thanks for having me. And McKenna Clark. Hi, thank you so much for having us this morning. These two lovely ladies are both on the women's rowing team here. So we're going to give you a little bit about what it's like to row in kind of a world that's not as known in the sports world. It's not really a sport that you did when you were five years old or that you watch commonly on Monday night football. Uh, Not many people have done it. It's not even like you can go out and try it tomorrow. Um, So we'll give you into a little inside scoop of what the rowing world is like. So to the average fan, sports fan, it's not really common with rowing. How would you explain rowing to them? How would you break it down on what you do on a daily basis? A daily basis. Well, the sport of rowing as a whole is unique in the fact that you don't want to be a standout. You don't want to be a star player. You want to move as a boat as synchronized and smoothly as possible so that um, everyone is on the same page, making doing the same movement. So if you stand out in rowing, it's actually a bad thing because it means that you're not in sync with everyone else. So I think that's a really unique aspect of the sport. And other than that, it's just a matter of who can get their bow ball across the finish line first. I think another thing, um, most sports, you know, there's a lot of fans watching the game, like every single play, everything, every single move, like football, basketball, soccer, but, um, rowing, you can't really watch the whole race as a fan. You just kind of see like the last bit of it. And a lot of it is more like, like the enjoyment of just seeing the boat move like smoothly and like going super fast across the finish line. Like all the girls sing together rather than like, oh, you shot a three, you know, or you scored a touchdown where it's like a big moment. Um, There's not really that huge moment until like the very end of the race. Yeah. Like McKenna said, it's the ultimate team sport. Yeah. If one person's off, your boat's not going to move. And like you were saying, Carly, that it's not very spectator friendly where you can't really watch the whole race. may have to decide if fans want to come at the start or the finish, but I guess probably most commonly how most people know rowing is through when the Olympics. So they get to see rowing maybe every four years when they tune in and that's how they're kind of exposed to rowing. Mm-hmm. So not the most common. Little background, all three of us actually took up the sport in college. None of us had rowed in high school. Um, I myself was basketball and volleyball in high school and then got to college and it was my first time rowing was a walk-on. One of the very few sports you can walk on and right away become like a varsity athlete and uh, even go to the Olympics that very seldom do you see someone walk on in college and then go to the Olympics. Uh, Walk me through kind of that walk-on process of how you got here to Alabama, whether you were recruited as a walk-on before getting here or once you stepped foot here on campus? Carly? Um, Well, previously I played basketball, so that was my sport in high school. And then um, coming here, actually after I got accepted, they sent out an email just saying, you know, we have a rowing team, like this is what you have to do, you know, we'll have meetings. And so before I got here, I was like, okay, well, if I'm not going to play basketball in college, then, you know, this is an opportunity to be an athlete and, you know, do something like be an athlete and not just be like a you know normal kid on campus and so we had meetings just like you know like normal recruits would go to and um, a bunch of paperwork and stuff and then we started training like the first week of September I guess 
and um, a lot of cardio definitely to start out and then we slowly got onto the ergs and then onto the water probably like two months into the walk-on process. What about for you McKenna? Um, for me so I did competitive cheerleading in high school and I actually came to Alabama completely fine with the fact that I wasn't going to be doing sports in college. Um, I went through my whole freshman year actually just as a student just focusing on my studies. I was a nursing major at the time and I just found myself missing that regular scheduled practice, missing the the family aspect of a team and just having those people to support you at all times and that's something I almost struggled with freshman year. You know, I would go to the gym and work out but it almost felt like it wasn't really for a purpose so I had expressed that to a friend of mine um, upon coming back from summer my sophomore year the beginning of my sophomore year and we were at lunch and I was telling him you know I really wish that I could find that feeling again but you know I'm a sophomore in college what the heck's gonna come up but he was on the men's club team and he said if I send you a link to apply for the women's walk on like to walk onto the rowing team will you do it and I was very hesitant and I was like what I rowing what is rowing <laughs> so he sent it to me and it, I, that is the only reason that I tried out. I didn't get that email because I was a sophomore. Um, I just filled out the application. I had missed all the meetings, which I didn't know. I was very late in the process. My coach later told me after I made the team that she only accepted my application because it said 5'11 on it. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, I just showed up the first day of tryout, the tryout process and didn't know anyone. Just wore my sparkly <laughs> shoes <laughs> and that was it so it was kind of different for me um I I spent a whole first year of college just missing that aspect and I really have found it and so much more do you both go in on. with the mentality of let's just see how this goes yeah. or are you like I'm like committed to trying to make the team or it was just oh, kind of a yeah. tryout feel out since don't really know much about the sport going in I personally was like, I'm going to make, yeah, like I was very committed to making the team just because, you know, like after, like when I got that email, you know, I was like, okay, well, this is what I'm doing. So I, I definitely made a big effort to, you know, want to stand out to the coaches and like, you know, I'm serious about this and I wanted them to see my commitment for sure. What was that walk-on process like from how many girls do you think came to that first meeting to the oh, first gosh. practice 200. to where you are now? Yeah, the first meeting, maybe like 150, 200 girls, um, the first actual tryout. I think 100. 100, really? I think so. Prob yeah. I mean, there was a lot, but I think only, like, what, 16 of us made it or something? Yeah. Awesome. So it was definitely a big cutting process. <laughs> yeah. And how did you guys start out? They didn't automatically put you in the water. Did it start off with the ergometer? <laughs> yeah. Actually, we started off just running. Like, we would run every day. Yeah. We'd run around a building here, like, where the rowing facilities is art and um we probably run like almost five miles a day I swear <laughs> we would run so much and then yeah. probably like a month into it or maybe like three weeks we started getting on the ergs mm -hmm. and then um maybe two weeks after that we actually got on the water it was a very slow progression yeah though. like slow. when we got into the ergs it wasn't okay now go row for 10 minutes on the erg it was okay now learn how to properly sit on the erg learn how to you know so Definitely took our time to try and make sure that we learn the sport with good habits, um, which I think eventually helped us. It's difficult to take up a sport kind of so later on in life. 
Um, was there a time or a moment that it clicked and you were like, I'm actually good at this. Like, I'm going to keep going with this. This was kind of chose the right thing. Well, you guys can't see Carly, but she's super athletic. So she, <laughs> I'm, I'm convinced she could pick up any sport. But I, on the other hand, was more of like a late bloomer in the rowing and in the process. Um, I didn't really hit that moment of realization until kind of the end of the season even, you know, that, okay, maybe I can work my way to the top. Um, I'm not a quitter by any means, but I didn't really think that I could be where I am now from when I, like, look back at the beginning. And, McKenna, you're from Los Gatos, California. That's kind of a popular rowing community. Did you have any friends um, that rowed or you knew kind of maybe of rowing prior to coming here? Yeah, I knew of it. I had one of my good guy friends was on the Los Gatos Rowing Club um, team and he would talk about it a little bit and he actually showed me their boathouse one time but it never really processed as something that I would want to do or pick up. Um, My neighbor coached a team at a local lake as well but the practice times just coincided with other things that I was doing so it was never something that really stood out to me. Generally speaking most athletes kind of choose Alabama because that's where they're going to compete like the football or basketball players um, they sign on knowing they're going to play here you guys didn't know you were going to be rowing walked on here what originally brought you here to Tuscaloosa Um, for me kind of a complicated story Um, so I actually like plan on playing basketball in college but I had a late injury um, in April of my senior year basically and um, so I actually went to my like college counselor guy at the school and was like you know I tore my ACL like what do I do like I need to go to school like I plan on getting recruited you know then you don't apply until you're recruited so I was like I had nowhere to go so he told me to go online and look at rolling admissions like school that have that where you can apply really late so I actually applied to Alabama like end of April and then because it was on that list. Like, that's the only reason, because it was, like, A, and it was, like, the first one. So I was, like, <laughs> University of Alabama, like, okay, I'll apply there. So I applied, and I ended up getting in. Then I had to get, like, all my housing done really quickly and came in August. But coming here, it, it really wasn't, like, you know, I really didn't even know much about Alabama at all. Like, I chose I was going to come here before I had ever even been to the state of Alabama. Like, I'd never even been here. Because where in Florida are you from? Um, I'm from Okeechobee, Florida. Really small town. Not not too many people there, but um, yeah, I had actually never been here before. But I'm so so glad that I came. It's been an amazing experience, for sure. Like I have a similar background as well. Um, I was going to play basketball going out of high school, mm-hmm. and uh, found out I couldn't really go D1 with basketball. But I wanted that big school atmosphere. And right. I was touring San Diego State, and while I was touring it, a coach happened to be on campus and saw tall six foot girl walked across mm-hmm. campus and was like hey what do you know about rowing mm-hmm. and was just kind of open to the idea and so like you I guess you could say we're like recruited walk-ons um so got a little bit past the original walk-on stages oh, cool. uh, what about for you mckenna why'd you choose alabama so i knew that i wanted to go to school out of state just experience something new um not have the option to come home on weekends. You know, I wanted to just fully immerse myself in the college experience. So I applied to 12 different schools um, in different states. And 
I think just a process of elimination, just what I was looking for. You know, I knew I wanted a big school, um, lots of school spirit, not necessarily the football team, but the school spirit kind of comes along with it. Um, I really don't enjoy the cold, (laughs) so that was a big one for me because I was looking a lot into Ohio State until my friend that goes there had posted pictures of all the snow they were getting. (laughs) So I toured Alabama, Auburn, and University of Texas. So I just, I love the campus here. It is so beautiful, and I truly came here for the school, and rowing has just been the most incredible added bonus. Walk me through a typical day um, here on the rowing team from practice. Um, I know typically my day started at 5 a.m., and we'd drive on down to ours was a bay, and we'd have a water practice, and then we'd go back to campus and have weights, and then later in the day it was erg practice. When's your typical day start, and what's typical practice and school schedule look like? Um, I'll do Monday, Wednesday, Friday. You do Tuesday, Thursday. <laughs> okay. So Mondays and Fridays we um, have practice at 6 a.m. on the water. We have to get there at 5:50 because we have warm-ups. And then we end. Do you all meet down at the river, or do you guys like yeah, carpool sorry. there? So yeah, we um, we all meet at the boathouse in the mornings at six, and then we start, and we go till eight thirty, and then everyone like has class from like eight thirty to, or like nine to probably like one, and then we have afternoon ergs. So we don't go out in the water in the afternoon, just in the mornings, and then we have afternoon ergs from like three to five. So there's a shift from three to four. And then another shift from four to five, depending on like your class schedule, because some people have class later or earlier. And then, um, so that's Monday and Friday. And then Wednesday, we only have a morning practice. So it's from six to eight thirty in the mornings. And we have Wednesday afternoon to like relax and rest. And then Tuesday and Thursday, the mornings start the same. So we'll all meet at the boathouse like 5.45ish, row on the water until 8.30. And then we turn around and head to the weight room and we have weights from... 9.30 to 10.30, and then the rest of our day is just dedicated to class and whatnot. And then on Saturdays, we usually get to sleep in until 7 or 8, and that is usually a longer practice, um, anywhere from two and a half to three and a half hours, depending on what we need to get done. And then we have the rest of Saturday and Sunday to rest and recover and get ready to start it all over again Monday morning. Awesome. Out on the water, what's kind of your favorite thing about practice? I know mine in the morning was seeing the sunrise. I was like, many people don't get to see the sunrise mm-hmm. over the water every morning. But then there's also the stressful parts of seat racing and um, kind of explain to people what the stress of seat racing is. Well, yeah, I think um, my favorite part is definitely, you know, getting out there and seeing the sun come up and seeing how beautiful it is in the morning. and. You can see the cars, like everyone going to work and stuff when we're out there rowing. And I think the most enjoyable part is just like having like a nice, relaxed, like steady state row, which is just like a long, relaxed row. Like, and you can feel like everyone moving at once and it's like super relaxed and the, like the feel is just like amazing. Like when you put all the blades in at the same time and then, you know, you can feel everyone lock on and go. Definitely the more stressful part is sea racing. So, um, definitely more like fast paced rowing short little pieces, um, one girl getting out of one boat and switching a spot with someone in the other boat and then seeing if the boat goes faster or slower and then, you know, switching again, just a continuous, like, switch back and forth of 
you know, is the boat going faster with you in it or with you without it? And sometimes you can kind of see like, oh, dang, you know, I got out and that boat went faster or like, okay, I got in and we went faster. So it can be stressful and also like rewarding at the same time if you get in a boat, you know, and you make it go faster. One thing that I really like about the mornings and it's just an, it's almost like an accomplishing feeling knowing that, you know, all your classmates are sleeping while you're up there with your family, you know, we're family, we all are in this together, and you, you're you in the boat with people who are in the same exact situation as you, and just kind of feeling that sense of, like, okay, we're all in this together, we're going to make this work, no matter what it takes, and um, one thing that our boat, that Carly and I are in the same boat right now, but... And what boat do you guys usually race in? A four, an eight? Oh, we're, we're in an eight um, right now, but... We throughout like our pieces in the morning on the water and stuff. Um, we get you know we're obviously very tired and out of breath, but we find ways to encourage each other a little bit in the boat. Whether it's just saying "Yep" or "Let's go" or "We got this," and just knowing that you're all in it together and you're all on the same page and you're all pushing for each other is a really, really cool feeling to have. Um, but yeah, your seat is never safe, no matter what day it is, no matter what time it is. <laughs> You can get switched out of the boat at any time for any reason. So it's nerve-wracking knowing that, but it also keeps you on your toes and keeps you pushing your hardest day in and day out. So, Any um, special stories you have out in the water that have been kind of most memorable? Oh, I have one. <laughs> right, McKenna. Carly and I <laughs> rode a pair together last fall, and <laughs> we were doing really well, and we crossed the finish line and we flipped our boat over. <laughs> and we were just swimming in the water. <laughs> so that was fun. Was it off balance or what happened to like no, it was, the boat? It was no uh, technical problem. Like, yeah. With the boat. Like the, the equipment. Something oh. was squeaking and we're like, what is that? And then I like reached over reached and tried over to fix it, it and my whole oar came out because like, the whole thing broke apart. Yeah. So it lost balance. I was going to say, if you ever personally caught a crab, and to those who don't know what a crab is, it's like yeah. <laughs> when your oar gets caught in the water and ejects, ejects you out of the boat. Yeah. I mean, we've caught crabs, but no one's Not actually been extent. ejected. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's definitely... Every once in a while it happens. Is that ever a fear flashes through your mind about uh, when you're about to catch a crab? Especially, like, um, during a race. Yeah, or, like, if there's really, like, rough water out and you put your blade in, it's just swirling around. Like, it's kind of hard to get your blade out and get it back in the water, so. What's some of the roughest conditions you've raced in? Um, definitely at the, or Clemson. There, last year it rained and lightninged and so much That makes it really hard to... Yeah, like there's Grasp just your so, oar. it's like you're rowing in the ocean. Like there's so many waves and like there's white caps and yeah, it was, that was probably the worst that I've ever rode in. It was pretty scary. And there was logs, that were like full out trees, like in our lane, like hitting logs and stuff. So that was, that was probably the craziest race I've ever been in. On a positive note, rowing takes you to some beautiful places because you're always on a body of water. Where are some of the places you've gotten to go with regattas? Um, we've been, we go to Oak Ridge, Tennessee quite a bit. We've been to Oklahoma, Texas, California, um, Florida. What am I missing? We've been to Kansas. Yeah, Kansas State. Um, me personally, I really liked, we went to Sacramento, and I had never been to California before. 
So I thought that was really cool. There was like a bunch of mountains and stuff, or at least I thought they were mountains, but I'm from we were, Florida, so everything with the hills. We were about a year off on overlapping. I was looking on um, your bios online, how you guys raced at like Natoma, and that was a yeah, common yeah, spot we'd we go often and race. And nice. I remember racing in Alabama, but it doesn't look like we crossed over on years. And that would have been funny because it's not like you really get to see. You raced Alabama not a, at Lake Natoma? Yeah. Oh, really? But this would have been 2017. We were there. Wait, we were, that's, that's the only that's time we've ever we ever went. Yeah, that's funny. We were Wait, it's yeah, not like we other sports where State. you can see um, <laughs> yeah. like faces. It's not a contact sport where like, oh, I box you out in basketball. But yeah. Mm-hmm. You're a couple lanes over. and Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we definitely raced you guys. How funny. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> I couldn't even tell you on who won. And at Lignatoma? Mm-hmm. It was Cal, I think. Mm-hmm. Albert, they, they were so fast that year, I remember. <laughs> they were gone. <laughs> yeah, they definitely won that. Um, just kind of wrapping up in general, do you have any favorite memories um, that from joining the team? I think last year probably was my favorite memory just because we got an entire new um, coaching staff and everyone was motivated to work hard for them and we could tell that they were motivated to come in and like completely change this program and make it like a regular like Alabama athletics team, which is like dominating. You know, all of our athletics are really well. And um, I think just, like, making history last year of, you know, winning a lot of regattas and going really, really fast that we've never done that the last two years I was here. Being ranked. Yeah, being ranked for the first time. That is historic. The top 20. Last year, top 25. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we came second at conference. I think before that, the best Alabama's ever done was fourth. So we came second to Texas, which was really, really good for us. So for me, that was definitely, like, a huge season of like oh my gosh like we're we are fast you know we have what it takes like we have the right athletes and stuff yeah I agree with everything Carly just said that was a really really good feeling um knowing that our hard work was finally paying off you know we we work hard and sometimes it doesn't work out the way we want it to but last year to see all the work that we do in practice translate to races was an incredible feeling because the ratio of time that we spend practicing to time that we spend racing is very off balance. So when we do get the opportunities to race, it's nice to see those rewards. But other than that, in general, just walking on to the team, um, I've found my best friends. You know, Carly and I are really close. I live with her now and with two other girls that we walked on with, and we truly have become a family. So just comparing myself now to where I was freshman year, you know, in the dorms and not on the rowing team and just going to my classes, I feel like I'm a totally different person and I have such an amazing support group behind me now because of rowing. So that's another thing that I'll cherish forever. Thank you both for uh, letting us into the rowing world. Um, Appreciate you guys coming out and talking with us. So thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. Roll Tide. Roll Roll tide. Tide. There's no doubt these ladies have the Crimson Tide pulling in the right direction. Well, that's a wrap on this episode. We hope you enjoyed the Roll Tidecast, and we thank you for spending some time with us. Please subscribe, rate, and review, and let us know things you would like to hear in future podcast episodes. And now, we leave you with this Crimson Tide moment from head coach Nick Saban. But I want everybody here to know, this is not the end. This is the beginning. This has been the World Tidecast, the official podcast of Alabama Athletics. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review however you listen.
The preceding has been a Learfield IMG College presentation of the Crimson Tide Sports Network.